Greetings and welcome to Inside the Master's Studio, a behind-the-screens look into the art of GMing. This week we're joined by Morgan. Hey, <laughs> what's up? I'd like to start from the very beginning. How did you first get involved with tabletop RPGs? So the first time I actually ever played was back in like the summer before college. Uh, so I graduated, so that was about like four-ish years ago. Uh, it wasn't a full campaign. It was Pathfinder. We did it for a couple months until we all had to go away. And then I tried to play a little bit in college, but like that didn't really work out. So I feel kind of like my first real time playing tabletop was like actually this past like year and a half. I really got into like fifth edition. So I'm kind of a newbie in some ways. Do you remember your first character and your first character that you really got to play? Yeah, so my first character was a gnome fighter because I think I just really liked the idea of being like little but tough. I think her name was Kiva or something. I don't know. It's funny because like that was my first character I made was a gnome. And then the first char real character I got to play was also a gnome. Um, because, uh, the character I really got to play, uh, their name was Igeep and they were a gnome bard. Uh, that was my first, like, real step into fifth edition, so I didn't do as much, like, background development as I do now, but, like, they were just kind of like a, a bard. They were an ex-con man. I don't, I kind of hand-waved a lot of stuff, but I was just trying to be kind of like a mischievous bard type. Was there something in particular that drew you to the bard class? I had heard my friend talk about bards back like when we were playing Pathfinder and like how it was like her favorite class. And I was kind of like, oh, why is that? And she liked that like back then it was, it was kind of a well-rounded class, like you could build them differently. But like for me, I, I think I picked them because I wanted to be a magic user but I wasn't quite ready to, like, go really into, like, doing all the preparing that wizards have to do. And I just really, I like performers. I, I've always kind of liked performance stuff, even if I'm not personally great at it. I think that's partially why I picked a bard was, you know, I'm not that charismatic in real life, so I wanted to be in the game. <laughs> How are the expectations versus reality? Well, you know, like, it was definitely something that, like, I still had to play the character, so it was, like, I, I still had to, like, goof up along the way and, like, be my silly self myself, and, like, it worked out because I feel like that character kind of ended up being, like, a more extroverted, more mischievous version of myself instead of being, like, a whole different character but I think it was a good like first step into doing role-playing is kind of kind of playing yourself without actually playing yourself I'm glad I wasn't completely just myself because I, I I'm myself every day I don't really want to be in game so yeah what about your most recent character I'm actually currently in a campaign where I play a half-orc cleric they're like a cleric of a god that we made in another campaign, and their god is essentially a martyred centipede. So it's kind of interesting because it's like I'm not using the pantheon given to me, but like I'm still associating with them. My, you know, my DM has very like the the main god of like his region is like Saren Ray or something. It was just interesting that, like, my character is, like, kind of this outer, outside, like, religion, which I didn't think I would like as much. But I actually really like playing divine characters, even though I was like, oh, okay, you know. That's one currently, like, going on. Like, I'm going to play Saturday. But the one I've created more recently was actually a bugbear, because I wanted to try a different kind of class and... I wanted to try to see if I could make, uh, uh they were weird because it was kind of a, a, I made them like a, a warlock. 
I, I guess I create characters more based on like backgrounds and stuff instead of like min maxing and stuff. <laughs> so your groups tend to be more into the role playing aspect than the gaming aspect of RPG. Yeah, generally, um, I think a lot of my friends that play tabletop are either English majors or like have done theater. Like I, I feel like a lot of my friends that are in theater end up doing D&D for some reason. It, it's all people that like really like storytelling, whether it's through their own writing or like performance. Obviously the performance people tend to be a little better at the improv stuff. It's, it's all fun either way. I think that's why I like 5th edition more than I liked playing Pathfinder when I was younger, too. Because it's a little less crunchy. <laughs> you had mentioned your friends being storytellers. You are beginning to build a world yourself? Yeah, my friends, I, I, I called them storytellers, but they don't necessarily want to run a campaign. They kind of just want to tell the story of their own characters, I guess. I've just kind of been inspired to write my own world from listening to like lots of different podcasts about role playing and stuff and just kind of being inspired by the DMs that I've had and everything like that. Are there any lessons you've learned from your previous GMs that you plan on sticking to? Yeah, actually, um, I feel like uh, both both of my most like recent GMs have been like very good at, or not my most recent, it was the one where I played a gnome bard and then the one where I'm currently playing the, the half-orc cleric. They seem to be like prepared with like characters and I want to be able to do that. Like, I don't necessarily want to like, f I know you can't really fully flesh out a character that you're not going to have like talking a lot. Like people, you're, the player characters end up talking to like random NPCs and you don't name them at first and they don't have a lot of personality, but my GMs were good enough that they could give a uh, personality really quickly if we ended up doing something and I want to be prepared with doing that. And I don't, I don't know exactly. I feel like I, cause I'm, I learned through them that like people are going to do whatever they want. Even if you plan all this stuff out, they're going to throw curveballs and charm the people that you don't expect them to. And I just, I want to keep that in mind when I'm doing it myself. Keeping a databank of names that you can quickly pull off of? Yeah, yeah. Names on even basic, like, archetypes if they end up being really important when I don't expect them to be. Or personality trait tables that you can quickly roll? Yeah, I, I like... As much as I, I love creating characters, I feel like having tables to back you up for stuff like that is very useful still. Do you have players lined up now, or are you focusing on just getting the world ready for players? I do have some players lined up, mostly players that I've been in other campaigns with myself, like as a player character. There's like two people that I haven't been in a campaign with, but like I trust them enough that I feel like like, it'll be, like, a safe enough place to kind of make mistakes and, like, do all those new GM things that everyone has to get out of the way. <laughs> so, yeah, I wanted to make sure, like, I had people I trusted uh, at my first table. So what was the starting seed for this world that you're growing? The starting point is actually... Uh, one of my friends who he's also interested in possibly GMing in the future, he bought a bunch of 5e modules and there was one he didn't know if he could run himself, but he really wanted to play it. He's actually going to be one of the people in my campaign. It's the Out of the Abyss uh, module, which, uh, you know, it's all in like the Underdark. And so it made me actually just even though I don't want to 
follow it like exactly i feel like it's a good thing to have like the setting like okay my first setting i'm gonna set it in the underdark that's something that i can just like insert all these characters into because i have an easier time making characters than settings but i still wanted to like i still have all these ideas for changing the module are you planning on this being an ongoing campaign or just the module I would like it to be an ongoing campaign. The module is like pretty long itself. It's not like a full like 20 level campaign, but it's still a very, very solid starting point. In an ideal world, I would want it to be an ongoing campaign because I have all these ideas that I keep coming up with that I'd be like, oh, that'd be great like later down the line that I don't feel comfortable necessarily like throwing level one people right into. But I say in an ideal world, because all my friends are working or in college, you know, there's all this, all these time conflicts and that kind of sucks, but I'm going to (laughs) try. Have you been reading through the module front to back or are you trying to limit your expectations for how it's going to proceed? Yeah, I'm not reading it front to back. I started doing that and like the first, you know, the first part of it is all the players are captured and that's how it starts off in the module. Right from the beginning, I'm like, okay, I'm not having them captured for the same reason. Uh, that, like, they had it, it was like they were captured by Drow and they're trying to use them as, like, slaves and stuff. And I was like, I'm not comfortable doing that. I want to do this. I want them, if they're going to be imprisoned, it's because they did something, like, wrong. And, like, to do that, I wanted to talk to all the players individually. And be like, okay, why would your character get locked up? And if there isn't, like, a reason, then I might be like, okay, well, they're locked up because they did something, like, culturally wrong against, you know, the drow or whoever. Like, I'm, that's what I'm thinking anyway. So, like, right from the beginning, I'm like, okay, I'm going to change this. But, like... I still kind of went in like the beginning and I was like, I'm going to highlight all these things that I like. And then I started writing all these notes. Like I got very like detailed. I was like, geez, I'm on like the fifth page. And like, that took so long. So I'm already like realizing, like, I'm not going to be able to read it from front to back because I have all these ideas and because it's going to take too long. So I'm trying to just like keep in the beginning because I'm like, okay, well, I have to have a starting place anyway. So I might as well kind of go along with the players. As long as I'm ahead of them, it's okay. (laughs) Do you have any plans to institute a party balance, like making sure they don't all go towards the same role for their characters? Yeah, that's one of the things that I'm, like, conflicted about because I've kind of, I've been talking to each of the players individually and they all have, like, ideas, but I'm realizing, like, oh, it's a very, like, mage-heavy group. That could be a problem. I'm thinking about possibly, because I've had, some of the players have been like, I have this idea for a character, but if you need a tank, if you need a, like, fighter type I have another idea. So um, if it ends up being like all five people are mages, I can't have that. They're all going to die. I might be like, okay, well, if you have another character you want to play anyway, can you be this instead? You know, I want people to play who they want to play, but I'm also a little worried since I'm new. I'm like, oh, I don't want to kill them off by accident or something like, or I'll be like extra paranoid and like, put an NPC in their group that like ends up protecting them or something. And I'm like, I don't want to do that either (laughs) unless it's dire, you know? Have you thought about how you would react to the first chance a player's character had to die? Early on in the campaign, I feel like I might end up being one of those GMs that are like, 
if you do this, you won't like. I, I might like fudge rolls and be like, oh, you didn't, die, you didn't get crit and die right away. So since it's early on, since they're gonna be like they're starting at level one, I feel like it might take a while for any real risk of oh they're gonna die, they're gonna whatever. But I also. I also wanted to be like, oh, I want them to have consequences, too. So, I don't know. I feel a little nervous, but I'm also kind of like, I want, I, I have ideas for how I want to, like, treat this. And, like, I know it's kind of part of the game in some ways. Have you developed strategies to keep the players from becoming too relaxed because they feel invincible? I have, I think, like, I, I don't want it, I don't want, if I do, like, you know, uh, Revivify, or, like, people do, like, those kind of spells, or, like, Raise Dead, or whatever, I want it to be more than just, like, oh, you have to spend this amount of money to cast the spell, or whatever. I want it to be, like, if they're, like, a cleric or a paladin, it's, like, you have to pray f- to their god for them, or, like, if they're fighter you know or wizard you know like something that's less divine focused it it might be like okay well you have to give up something important to you in order to get this important person back like i want there to still be consequences if it's like oh they ran into danger and they're not invincible like I, i i want them to not feel invincible but i also don't want to like be their enemy either so i'm i am having some trouble I think I might do what my my current GM, where I'm the half-orc half cleric, their name's Jojo, and they actually, they died for a little bit. <laughs> and what my GM did was, like, they died because they, they got killed by a beholder doing, like, a death ray. Like, it was a pretty big, like, whoa, kind of thing. And what my GM did is, like, okay, you have to give up certain things to make the DC of my character coming back to life, like, less severe. It wasn't just like, oh, you can, if they, you give them, like, a diamond or something, a, or, like, a gemstone that you found in a chest somewhere. It's like, oh, you have to pray to my cleric's god, and you have to give up your fancy, like, my friend gave up it was a really cool, like, cloak thing that worked in dim light to make you fly. The GM gave it to him as, like, a birthday present or something. It was cool. But, like, he gave that up as, like, one of the things. Like, and it made it, like, everything that they put in, it was, like, up to, like, four or five, like, lowered the DC. And it ended up being, like, as long as you roll above an eight or something like that, you can come back to life. And I think... Because I, um, he sent me the rules later. I think it was something that Critical Role show incorporated for like resurrection and stuff. I, I, I watch a lot of D and D stuff, but I have not watched that one yet. But it seemed like interesting rules. Have you had a character suffer permanent death? No, I haven't. Not yet. Anyway, but I feel like I haven't played enough. Um, in some ways it feels like the campaigns that never really, uh, picked up their feet are kind of like permanently dead, but no, I haven't had any permadeath, but I, I'm like, oh, I have so many characters. So in some ways I'm like, I'd be okay if this character died, but I would also be upset. Do you think that that predilection for wanting to try different characters is one of the reasons for wanting to be a GM? Yeah, absolutely. That's like a huge reason, I think, that I was like, I can just take all these character ideas and make them NPCs instead of like, I have to be in 20 different campaigns to do 20 different characters. Like, that's not realistic. (laughs) Like, I don't know if I could do more than like two or three campaigns at once, you know? (laughs) So I'm, I'm like kind of excited about that because... Even in my own, like, creative writing stories, I I tend to be very, like, character-focused. Have you been trying to develop voices for the characters? Yes, but nothing has stuck yet. 
I was actually practicing with one of my more recent characters, the the bugbearer. I gave her a southern accent, and it was really bad, but it was really fun. So I think, like, as long as the accent isn't, like, crappy or, like, you know, insulting to whoever, I think I, I might do, like, stuff like that. Or, like, I might do, even if it's not an accent, it might just be, like, lowering your voice or, like, making it really high or whatever. I uh, I actually listened to Critical Success, the, the like, one-shot podcast, and uh, I, I specifically listened to the episode that was, like, character voices, and he had really good advice about, like, even if you don't think you can do character voices, like, even just changing the emotion in your voice can really separate between characters otherwise i feel like it might be too confusing if i have a bunch of characters all at once talking (laughs) is there anything else that you are planning to do or would like to do to increase the immersion for your players the idea that i'm kind of excited about is i want i i extended this offer to all the players to be like hey do you want to do like this one-on-one like talking kind of thing it can either be just like talking about your character or like uh like a a session to see like how the character interacts with npcs and stuff just because i really want to like see the character's background i know some of my players are a little nervous about that just because they've had gms that like have used their backgrounds against them and like have been like okay well you have a kid well the kid's kidnapped you know, I, I don't want to just do that. I want to be able to like, oh, you have all these, you have this family. Well, I'm going to have them meet the family if they're important, you know? Oh, you, like if you're from a noble family, like, oh, maybe you'll meet them. Or like you were part of a, 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 a like a thief guild. Well, you're going to run into them. <laughs> I want to like talk to the players about it first like hey would you be cool with seeing this in the game and i also want to know like what they want to see in the game too like i'm like you want to see puzzles do you want to see combat like that sort of thing even with all my ideas i want to be able to incorporate some of their ideas too because I i want it to be kind of collaborative even though i know there's other systems that are a little bit friendlier to like collaboration i feel like this is a good way to kind of do that Aside from one-on-one sessions, had you considered doing a pre-module adventure that gives you a chance to see how they'll react as a group once they start feeding off each other? I kind of do like that idea, and that was something that I was thinking about doing, like, after I, like, did the mini-sessions with them to be like, oh, hey, I, you know, like, this character seems like Maybe, you know, maybe they'd know this one before the adventure. And if that's the case, then I might, like, run, like, a pre-module sort of thing. I'm just a little, like, I'm a little like, oh, I don't know, because I I don't, I don't know what I would want to do for that. I, I feel like I have all these ideas, but they're, like, after the beginning of the module, or they're, like, oh, this should happen later because it might be kind of, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, if you have like uh, suggestions for like pre-module like stuff, that'd be awesome. (laughs) I mean, there's always the classic bar fight, just having them meet up together in the bar, get into a bar fight. Yeah. And then it sounds like they're supposed to start in custody. Yeah, I think. I think the idea, like, at least the it seemed like the, the writers of the module, like, their idea was like, okay, you get to know each other because you're prisoners and, look, you're kind of forced to interact. Like, one of the first steps I'm trying to do is, do I want that or do I want them to be captured in the campaign or before it, like you said, with like a pre, pre-module kind of one-shot sort of thing. Um, that's like you know, one of the biggest, like, first obstacles that I'm trying to go over right now. And that's kind of why I've given myself some time. 
I've given, like, I've talked to people and been like, oh, I want to start, like, I like ideally I would want to try to do, like, something for next, like, by next month. But, like, hey, you know, I've never done this before, so I might need to take more time than that because I'm, if I can't even make a decision on the beginning, it's like, well, <laughs> can't really continue without that. Um, I don't know if I want to do the tavern thing, just... I'm like conflicted because it's it is it is a, it's such a good starting point, but it's also like why are they in the tavern? I don't know. Have they been doing any collaboration between themselves for party synergy? Not yet. And in campaigns that I've been in in the past, like we've done that, like we've had you know like group chats where we've been like. Because we have all these people, we need, like, a tank, we need, like, someone that does a lot of damage per second, we need a healer, and that's what I was going to do, is, like, I was going to start, like, a group chat and been like, hey, talk amongst yourselves, see what party dynamics you want out of this, but I don't know if I want to do that first, or if I want to do, like, the one-on-one kind of things first, because in some ways I'm curious about how the players would react to just like meeting them for the first time too. Is this going to be face to face or in an online setting? It's going to be face to face. Well, at least for the next like year, it's going to be face to face. Um, If it continues past that, which like who knows, (laughs) then it might switch to like online stuff. But um, yeah, we're starting face to face at least. Have you played in online games? I have not yet. I would like to. Uh, I just haven't had a chance to yet. A part of me is like wondering like how I would do, just because depending on how it's run, you might not be able to see like their faces, or like not as well, at least, if you end up doing video chat. And I feel like a lot of my character dynamic stuff is how someone reacts to me, and but it's also just way more convenient to do it online. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever been in a party where player attention was starting to flag during the game? The campaigns I've been in, there's been a lot of crosstalk just because, like, you know, we're all friends. So it's very easy to just, like, accidentally go off on a conversation. A lot of times, it's it's not even like on purpose because it's like we like what's going on. It just you know happens. But a lot of times the the like crosstalk, a lot of the stuff like that. As long as it's like focused on the game, it seems more okay. I'm a little worried about that happening in my campaign, especially because I have a few players that if too much of that happens, like they will not be able to pay attention to what I'm saying because they just, you know, they have like processing problems and stuff. So just like too much, like chitter chatter will make them like their attention will be like way over there instead. Do you have an opinion on metagaming? I feel like it's kind of unavoidable in some ways. I personally am just like, even if I know something about like an enemy, but as long as my character doesn't know, I'm going to try to act like I don't know. But I feel like sometimes it's not, it kind of like still kind of influences your decisions. Even if it's like, I don't know how to fight a goblin uh, because I've never fought before. Whereas I've been in like enough campaigns. It's like, yeah, that's a first, you know, that's a first area enemy. I know how to fight them. I've been lucky in that like a lot of the campaigns I've been in, most of the people have a similar mindset to me being like, oh yeah, even if I know something, like I don't want my, and my character wouldn't, I'm going to try to pretend like I don't know it in game. What about players trying to help other players maximize their turn? I have mixed feelings because oftentimes with my big mouth, I end up saying something that will help the other character like as a player you know even if i'm not there 
like my characters all the way off in the distance, sometimes I say something that ends up helping the player. And I'm like, oh, crap. So I think I would be stricter about it if it was like all people that have played like a lot of campaigns before, then I might be like, you should probably let them figure this out. But if it's like new to them, and I do have like one of the people like joining the group is hasn't played fifth edition before. She played Pathfinder for like a hot second, but like she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I would be okay with people like being like, Hey, you know, do this or whatever. Cause I, it's still like a collaborative game. Like I think it's one of those things where I'm like, I, I hope they don't give too much information away, but I, I also know like, I'm kind of hypocritical in that I've given too much information away to other people that I shouldn't be. So I just assume it's going to happen sometimes. And like, I'm just going to have to roll with it if it does. Have you been looking at other systems to GM? Yeah, actually, uh, more recently, just because of all the podcasts I've been listening to, it seems like everyone does a version of like, powered by the apocalypse and stuff. I would be interested in that, especially because I feel like I'll end up being kind of flexible with my roles, at least early on anyway. And it seems like Dungeon World and stuff like that is they're like good for that because it's kind of like more improv-y type stuff. But at the same time, I'm like pretty comfortable with uh, 5e at this point that I'm like, not ready to do something like that having some like rules set down like that does make me feel more comfortable like i'm like okay well i don't know how this is should go so i can actually look to the rule book and be like oh okay so yeah the the power by the apocalypse and i've heard good things about like the fate system but i don't know anything about it um it seems cool because it's like you can make a world as part of the game those seem like really cool systems, but it's definitely something for like the future. <laughs> Would you want to play in a setting as a player before DMing it? Yes, preferably just because then I get at least like a taste of the rules and like then it'll be easier to put myself in the player's place to be like, it'll be easier to know like how much to tell players if I've been a player and like how I would react to a situation. If my GM put me in that situation, I like the idea of being like a, a you know, like a player first and a GM second. I think it's possible to like GM without playing a game, but I don't know if I could do it. Have you been looking to any of the characters from all my fantasy children to make cameos in your setting? I would love to have some cameos from all my fantasy children. I don't know if I want like outright cameos, like, oh, I'm going to use their names directly, even though that's kind of why Jeff and Aaron started the podcast. I'm still just kind of like, it's kind of become its own thing that I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to like wholesale, like rip off, like just put in like slip Willis right into my game or something. I might have a wrestling bard, but maybe not named slip Willis, you know, or, um, I like some of their like origin stuff, but I also don't want to like, I don't know. I, I don't want to take it wholesale either. It, it, it really depends. I think like, does it make sense for the character to show up here? Yeah, I might as well. I think it would be kind of fun too, because I know at least one of my I, one of the players that's definitely going to be in my game. I got him into all my fantasy children, so he would definitely know like right away. And like in some ways, I'm like, no, I want it to be like my own thing. But it's it's also like fun because it's like a uh, you know inside little joke between me and him. Like I haven't incorporated anyone yet, but I would love to. Has listening to them create NPCs had an effect on how you create NPCs? Yeah, yeah, actually. Um, 
it's helped me feel more comfortable being like, okay, I have this silly idea. And like a lot of times in the past, I would just like put it on the shelf, put it away, be like, "Ah, I don't know if that would make sense here. But I think like all my fantasy children, they take like people's like fun ideas and they like make them make sense or like they do something with a character that you like wouldn't expect if you get like just like this flicker of an idea like uh i keep going back to like very popular characters but yeah like i'm just gonna go with big jeremy like it was like big jeremy the ironmonger son that means like nothing if you don't hear the episode you'd never know that was a goat man a lot of times I i get like really caught up on like knowing every little thing about a character before I even start like thinking about where I'm going to put them. But sometimes it's like, I feel like more inspired to do, even if I'm having a hard time being like, okay, they're going to be this race, this class, this, whatever, this, this, this. Um, Even if I just have like a spark of an idea, I can probably come up with something just from like, even if I can't like think of it, I can always just like use tables. I was like, I don't know. Is it, is it like uncreative to use the tables? But like, I realized like, that's not necessarily true because, uh, Jeff and Aaron made like two different characters with like sage backgrounds and they became very different characters. It was two different characters, very different dispositions, same background. And it made me feel like more okay with using tables and stuff for character creation. What about having your own miniature version of that where your players, you will individually get a prompt for an NPC from them and then scatter them throughout the adventure? That's a really good idea, actually, Uh, especially because like I kind of wanted to do that with like that was my whole kind of idea behind doing like the one-on-one mini campaign in the first place was to get ideas from my players to be like how can i include them more often but yeah i like i like the idea of just kind of like getting prompts off of my my friends and rolling with it and i've kind of done that in the past just like very generally talking i had this like paladin bard that i wanted to use and you know i I bounced ideas off of a friend and they ended up being like the sibling of my half orc in my campaign and like if i hadn't bounced ideas off of my friend i wouldn't have even thought about like crossing over campaigns like that and like oh yeah i guess i can they're you know they don't have to be restricted to like this other place it's my world, so. Are you worried that you're going to have plans for NPCs and then the party is immediately going to either neglect them or focus on an NPC that you didn't have any plans for? That's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I want to have some, like, character personalities and archetypes and stuff off to the side for me to like generate characters on the fly if I have to as far as characters that like I put a lot of effort into I'm like oh you know this one has this background and then they like don't end up even talking to them I might be like I might be a little disappointed at first but I think it'll be like oh then maybe I can use them later or I can be like okay well that didn't work so I'm going to change how they come across. Like if they, if I, I think they're going to talk to this like noble because they, and they have all this background and stuff. And then they're like, nah, I don't want to talk to them. You know, I might have them like come across the noble family in a different way. And then maybe they'll see the, the character that they completely avoided again. It's one of those things where, I like character creation so much that like I don't expect most of the characters I've made in like this word document I have to ever actually be included in my the, my current campaign like I I have a lot of characters that I'm like I don't know if they would fit in here but I'm still going to keep them for later. 
I'm okay with it happening and like I I won't be thrilled and there might be some points where I do have to like railroad the characters if it was like something I'm like you have to do this to move on to the next part of the game <laughs> but uh n- normally I think I I just want to try to roll with it What is your greatest fear as a soon to be GM My greatest fear is that that the players will stare blankly at me after I'm done setting up a scene and that they like they stare blankly at not like not just like oh they're confused but like they stare blankly and don't say why like I'm afraid no one's gonna come forward and be like I'm confused can you try to explain again and they're just gonna like sit in silence that's like part of the reason why I'm I wanted to make sure I had people that I was like pretty good friends with play at my table and I wasn't just gonna do like people online the first time I played because I was like I don't want people to just sit in silence and wait for me to explain better I want people to be like oh that that didn't make sense I can you repeat that can you reword that can you whatever have you ever been in that situation as a player no like see that's the thing like I I haven't been in a situation where like where we've all just like blankly stared at the GM, but I still have that fear that it's going to happen to me for some reason. It's like, oh, that's not going to happen to anyone else, but just just me. <laughs> like, I've had times where especially my friend, it's my friend that I talked about who was also, like, considering starting GMing. He did, like, a, a very short module kind of thing, and that's that's where I played, like, the bugbear and stuff, and, like, he dropped some clues about these flowers that like were supposed to protect us from the the unseely fae or something and like the people playing like were just so confused but like we were kind of willing to ask him hey we're stuck (laughs) and so he just kind of like gave more and more information like in the game through other characters and it started to make more sense like oh we're supposed to use them on ourselves yeah i've never had like complete blankness but i have definitely been in situations where the gm has confused us in puzzle situations like that because of that situation you had do you plan on running your puzzles past people not in the party first yeah i I I think I might end up doing that, especially because I have one friend who wanted to be in my game, but, like, doesn't have time to be. But they, like, love D&D so much that I feel like I could definitely run puzzles by them and be like, hey, would this make sense to you if I just tried to explain it like this? Um, Would you be able to tell? But at least early on, I'll probably just end up not doing a lot of puzzles or if i do puzzles it's like oh it's really clear that they have to press this button but then it's like hard for them to press the button they have to do all these things to do it like i'm not gonna hide the button what has been your favorite moment in tabletop gaming so far my favorite moment oh man i think one of my favorite moments was my friend that I played the bard under, they had this, like, I guess you'd still call it a one-shot, I don't know, uh, game that they kind of put in the middle because it was an area that they spent a lot of time on, but we just, like, went by completely. Uh, they were still like, oh, would you guys want to still play this even though, like... It's not relevant for what you're doing. Do you want to play it as like a separate one-shot game? And we were like, yeah, it sounds fun. It's in the Feywilds. Like, that just sounds fun and weird. So our characters like stumbled upon these ruins that like satyrs had been in. Like it was like their home or something. And somehow they had discovered time travel or like something weird like that. And they had used like light to time travel. 
we ended up doing some like puzzle that actually was actually pretty clear like after we started to get into it we were like oh okay we're supposed to light the torches and it but anyway that's not the important part um so we actually like temporarily like brought the satyrs back but only in like this one bubble that we were in so what we ended up doing which was something like the gm like put in not expecting anyone else to do this the satyrs had like this like there was like this this dragon like friend I, I don't know that was kind of in caves nearby that was like still inside the bubble of time weirdness and we had seen the dragon like before all the time stuff and we had seen them as like this huge sleeping dragon that we were like oh we don't want to wake them up um, but then, you know, after the time stuff, it's like, oh, they're like young and we could just go by them without it being like a problem. Cause they were like, they were young and like kind of like naive. So they weren't like gonna just like eat or, you know, try to fight us. We ended up like convincing the dragon to bring food like to the satyrs so we wouldn't have to like shut off the time thing and like kill them essentially. The GM had been like, I didn't think you would keep the satyrs alive. I put the possibility of the ending like in there on a whim and I was shocked anyone even went through with it. And I was actually kind of surprised like that it wasn't like, I was like, oh, I thought that would be like one of the like harder to do options, but I didn't think it would be like the most unexpected option. I don't know if that's my favorite. Man, I have so many, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, sometimes it's, like, my favorite parts are things that make sense in context, too. Because I, I feel like after explaining all that, I'm like, I didn't do a great job of explaining it. Um, But also it's because, like, you know, it's not, I feel like I would do a better job if I had, like, written it out and been like, okay, well, they did this, they did this, so... That's one thing I'm worried about for my campaign, too, is that I'll just end up rambling about things and losing my place. <laughs> We're going to start wrapping up, but before we do, I'm going to ask you some questions from the Pivo questionnaire, pioneered by Bernal Pivo. Okay. What is your favorite word? My favorite word... I like the word radiant. It's not like that exciting, I think, of a word, but like for some reason it's just, it's very evocative when used correctly. I also like the word evocative, actually. Uh, I don't use it enough, but like radiant is one of those words where you're like, man, I use that a lot in writing. And it can, it just like sounds nice. I don't know. Probably all the consonants in it. What is your least favorite word? I don't really like the word cluster. I don't know. <laughs> Not my favorite. Just the sound of it? Yeah. The, the sound of it. The idea of it. It's not my favorite. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Consuming media. <laughs> like... I I feel like a lot, maybe it's kind of specific now, but like just, you know, a lot of the podcasts I've been listening to have like spurred all of this, even though I've had, that's not why I started like D&D. It wasn't like, oh, I'm playing because I'm listening to all these podcasts. It's more like I listened to all these podcasts because I started playing the game, but then it like fed itself and it made me want to like play more the more I listened. Sometimes just, like, people watching is inspiring, as long as you're not, like, weird about it. You're just, like, you know, walking around, and you're, like, people are walking by, and you're, like, oh, I wonder what they're doing. And that kind of helps inspire characters sometimes, If even if it's just, like, a glance, like, oh, you know, they're doing something, and that makes me want to write about it. I don't know. What turns you off? Um, not, I think arrogance turns me off, uh, creatively, 
uh, not pride in your work, but like straight up arrogance. Like I'm the best. You can't compete because then it makes me not want to work with someone or, you know, gain inspiration from them for my own creative stuff. It's like, no, I don't want to. And then I'm also turned off by uh, thinking that I've done something before, not in the sense of me doing tropes because those just kind of exist, but me doing something that's been done so much that it's just, like, boring to listen to at this point. It's not... Uh, it's my thought of it is that even if we talk about like how nothing's original under the sun I still want a sense of originality I still want to at least pretend that what I'm doing is original or at least like the way I'm putting it together feels original to me yeah <laughs> You haven't GM'd yet. Well, sorry. Um, I, I did, like, I, I haven't GM'd, like, really I haven't. But, like, I, I actually, I, I forgot to say, like, I've done a, a like, one-shot kind of thing. Like, it was one session, and it was just because, like, my GM didn't want to GM. So, and he had this booklet that was, like, it was called, like, Are You Prepared? And it had, like all these random like little like very short like it took like three hours maybe and I ran that and it was like very uncomfortable at first but then I like really got into it and I was better at improvising than I expected for some reason I forgot that I I had done that because it didn't feel like a real DMing thing but I guess it was <laughs> Well, in that case, what is your favorite curse word to hear from your players? Just like, fuck. Or like, fuck. Because it can, it can evoke so many different things. It can be like, fuck. But it can also be like, fuck. You know, even though it's, it's, just, it's a word I hear so much, but it can also just like, have so many different meanings to it. <laughs> What sound or noise do you love? I like the sound of just like, yeah, that's kind of cliche, but I like the sound of rain like hitting the windows. I was just thinking about that because it was raining earlier and I was like, yeah, it's like nice and calming. What sound or noise do you hate? I hate the sound. This is kind of specific. The sound of, uh, like foam when it's put on top of um, dry ice. <laughs> I work I work at like a, a, a like a lab and uh, we deal a lot with like we use a lot of dry ice to like keep the specimens frozen. So there's just like so many times that like the like foam boxes that the specimens are in just end up being like trapped underneath and it just makes this like awful like screechy noise. What game system would you like to attempt? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned wanting to, like, try to do those, like, Powered by the Apocalypse games just because it seems kind of easier just to, like, bounce ideas off of other players. And I, I feel like I'm going to end up being a very collaborative GM. I'm not sure, though. Uh, maybe I'll end up being... One that rules with an iron fist. Who knows? <laughs> I maybe it, it might also just be because I've. It seems like it's the it's the thing to mod right now. So there's like a lot of different, uh, like fun like little indie game versions that use the power the apocalypse system. But yeah, I would probably try to do like Dungeon World. I also want to do, I think it's, it's definitely like kind of ambitious for me personally for like right now, because it's, it's just like, it's kind of rules heavy. 
from what I hear, I would, I'd really like to do Shadow Run at some point, but like, I don't know anyone who's even running it. And like I said, I kind of want to play a game before I run one. And yeah, because like, I, I really like sci-fi and stuff. So I feel like it, that's like a fun, that seems like a fun system that like combines like sci-fi and fantasy. And I think it's also just be, because I've been listening to that like Neo Scum podcast and I was like, oh, I want to try playing that game. But it seems kind of complicated sometimes. <laughs> Have you been watching any of the Shadowrun game on Hyper RPG? No, I, I had kind of just like heard about Hyper RPG like mostly today. Like I had seen uh, you guys talk about it on the Discord, I think, but like. I didn't, I was like, oh, I have so many things, I have so many podcasts to go through. But then I was like, oh, that sounds really cool, actually. Like, just like listening to uh, the, the the party of one uh, episode that had uh, Strix in it uh, made me be like, oh, actually, this sounds like a really cool thing. What game system would you not like to attempt? I feel like I don't know enough game systems to, like be like oh i don't want to attempt this one uh i don't know if it's weird to ask you the questions but like do you have any that you wouldn't want to do so i know like maybe not to look into them <laughs> fatal there is a famous review that's worth reading but if you actually look at the materials your eyes may roll permanently into the back of your head oh no then i wouldn't be able to read any other modules when your first play session concludes, what would you like to hear from your players? I'd like to hear that they want to come back, honestly. like, And not just because, like, oh, they're my friends and they're going to stick with me. Like, they're, I want them to legitimately be like, yeah, I would love to play another. Or like, hey, if you ever do any other ones, like, let me know. I want to join it. Just because then it would feel like, oh, man, I succeeded. Even, like... Like, oh man, I, I did well enough that they want to, like, come back. That they, you know, they're like, oh, I want them to say, like, I did good because, you know, I, I just like compliments, but I'd probably be really embarrassed. <laughs> and finally, if you could travel back in time to watch one person sneeze, who would it be? <laughs> um. I don't know. This this is the one that came to mind, but like, I don't know if like if you ask me tomorrow if it would be a different answer. But I'm just like, I want to see Napoleon sneeze. Like that's such. A, I'm just like, why did that spring to my mind? But there you go. I guess that's my answer. <laughs> is there somewhere the insiders can follow you, or is there anything you'd like to plug? I mean, I guess they could like come to my. Twitter like I don't I've kind of just picked back up on using it again because I'm definitely more of like a like a Tumblr person but like that that one's not as interesting it's mostly just reblogs so like my Twitter I guess is uh it's haunting the morgue and it's uh morgue like m-o-r-g it's um I, I just spell the whole thing because whatever um uh h-a-u-n-t I-N-G-T-H-E-M-O-R-G. Yeah, that's probably the best place to, like, talk to me, just because, like, I actually have my alerts back on for it. Otherwise, like, I don't really have, like, a website that I use for, like, like, I've considered making a blog, but I haven't yet, so I guess I'll let y'all know if I do. <laughs> Thanks for joining us in the studio this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I was really like happy when you like were just like, yeah, do you want to do this? <laughs> um, just like on the Discord, I was like, oh, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast before. You can follow the show on Twitter at itms underscore podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, just send a message. Head on over to audioentropy.com for more podcasts like this you could check out Teenagers with Attitude a Power Rangers rewatch War and Beast 
a Beast Wars rewatch, or D-Comedy, Emma and Luke make their way through the Disney Channel original movie universe. I've been your host, Moon Rules, and remember, the players are just as scared of disappointing you as you are of disappointing them.